welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. In John 14.6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Our goal is to encourage everyone to grow in the Christian faith by anchoring themselves to the secure truth found in the inspired, inerrant, and infallible Word of God. When evening came, his disciples went down to the lake, where they got into a boat and set off across the lake for Capernaum. A strong wind was blowing, and the waters grew rough. When they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus approaching the boat, walking on the water, and they were frightened. The Gospel of John, chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, New International Version. Hello. Welcome to Anchored by Truth, brought to you by Crystal Sea Books. I'm Victoria Kay, and today we are continuing a series we call A Miraculous Christ. This is a special series for us because we are featuring Jay Ammerman. Jay has an amazing and inspirational story that everyone should hear. Jay was an Army combat medic and endured three deployments with frontline infantry in Iraq. After his last deployment, Jay came home but unfortunately, he also returned from combat with an addiction to opiate painkillers. But our God is a God of healing and deliverance, and God completely delivered Jay from the addiction over an Easter weekend. That delivery began a journey that led Jay to ultimately enter the New Orleans Baptist Theologic Seminary, from which he will shortly graduate. Jay's faith in Christ has grown so steadily that he has now been called by the Lord to full-time service. So, Let's welcome Jay Ammerman, the owner of Black Thumb Services to Anchored by Truth. Jay, when we met you, we thought so many people needed to hear your story and hear about your desire to serve the Lord in whatever way He calls. When you told us that you would really like to help people think more deeply about Christ, we thought a natural place to start was with Christ's earthly ministry. So it seemed like a good idea to get your episode started by playing one of our life lessons with a laugh on the miracles of Christ. This lesson deals with the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. Hi, folks. I'm R.D. Fierro from Crystal Sea Books. Standing here today next to a very impressive body of water. (laughs) Impressive body of water? Dude, we're standing next to an artificial pond. And the pond is between a shopping center and an apartment complex. And right behind us is a frozen yogurt shop. frozen yogurt shop. Hey. Hey, way to ruin an intro. I was just about to light the lamp of scriptural illumination for the listeners longing for insight, instruction, (laughs) instruction, (laughs) erudition, (laughs) enlightenment, and... Hey! R.D., can't you just mess up my name, tell us we're doing another miracle lesson, become confused about something, and then tell me why you dragged me out here. It's kind of a gloomy day. You think you are gloomy, Jerry. I told R.D. there was no need to activate me for this life lesson, but he was insistent I appear via his smartphone. His phone may be smart, but I am losing faith that he is. 
Whoa there, B-Wright and J-Pond. And so it begins. Check one on the name mess-up. We have to get started on the new life lesson on the miracles of Jesus. Ah, check two on the lesson info. Oh, oh, what? Wait, where was I? Ha, check three on the confusion. R.D., given that you had me refresh your memory, which apparently did not work, about John, chapter 6, verses 16 through 19, and given our proximity to this impressive body of water, it appears you wish to talk about the miracle of Jesus walking on the water. Well, of course I do. And there it is. Check four. And we finally know why we're here. That's why I thought this would be such a great setting. Nothing like adding a little authenticity to our life lessons. Whoa, whoa, what was that? What was that? What, what was that? That, R.D., was an authentic 21st century drone, which does not seem to be very authentic if you're imagining the Sea of Galilee around 30 A.D. But the drone does fit with the techno music coming out of the yogurt shop. Hmm, I wonder if they have salted caramel. Well, hopefully they'll go away soon, before I start walking on the water. Well, wait, you're going to what? Be right? Do you have 911 on speed dial? Of course, Japon, but that won't do me any good, since I am streaming through R.D.'s phone. No worries, no worries. Everything will be fine. Be right, time for verses 16 through 19. That evening, Jesus' disciples went down to the shore to wait for him. But as darkness fell, and Jesus still hadn't come back, they got into the boat and headed across the lake toward Capernaum. Soon a gale swept down upon them, and the sea grew very rough. They had rowed three or four miles, when suddenly they saw Jesus walking on the water toward the boat. They were terrified. Oh yeah, I know the feeling. Those clouds are starting to look a little grim. Well, you know, the scripture did say a gale swept down upon them, and you know we all love being authentic. We? No. You? Maybe. Be right? How are you on the old authenticity question? I am an authentically superior artificial intelligence system, as far as R.D.'s version of authenticity goes. Whatever. Anyway, R.D., how authentic was it for you to eat four triple-glazed blueberry jelly donuts this morning? You know... Before your walk on the wet side. Hey, I had a coupon. Buy one, get one. Uh, still, I, I'm starting to feel a little, little heavy. Uh, J-Pon, maybe you should try doing this miracle. <laughs> Not happening. Look, R.D., maybe this is one time discretion should be the better part of valor. The wind is really picking up. Well, that just means the setting is now perfect. Be right. Are you ready? No, and I'm not going to be. You may hand the phone to Japon. When I talk about streaming, I do not mean I want to be involved with actual water. Oh, ye of little faith. Japon, you want to come? You know. Peter also walked on the water for a little ways. My name is Jerry, or J-Pond, but it is not Peter. In any case, 
Will I be repeating myself if I say not happening? Doesn't matter. Not happening, RD. Now, just give me the phone. So, it's just gonna be me, huh? Oh, well. Well, maybe before I go, I should point out the importance of this particular miracle. Maybe you should stay on land and do that. The reason Jesus was walking on the water was to rejoin the disciples. Jesus could have just let them struggle with the gale on their own, but he didn't. Jesus cared so much about them, he did not want them to struggle alone. And he doesn't let us do that today. Now that's a pretty important point. Now, does anybody want to join me? No, uh, no, no how, no way, no, 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 no. Well, that's disappointing. Guess I better take my shoes and socks off before I go. <clears throat> all right, Ooh, come on, all right, all right. J-Pond, do you want to hold them? Uh, pass? No, dude, no. no. All right, here I go. I can't believe he's doing this. Does he think he can actually walk on water? No, but he does think he knows where the old wall is that is just below the surface of the water on this side. No, I get it. Okay. See, fine. No problem. No problem. All right. All right. Now I'm going to turn around and walk back. No, is that the drone? Wait, the wind. The wind's blowing. What? No. No. Hey! Oh! Oh! Oh no! Do we need to get help? No. The water is only about three feet deep there. See? (laughs) Not such a good idea. Oh, good then. Nasty. Toad? That's nasty. That's not really a taste. Is the frozen yogurt shop open yet? Yes, Jerry. Thanks for the save. Hey, is anybody going to help me? Yeah, sure. Climb back on the wall and walk out. That's not much help. Oh, and dry your feet before you put your shoes and socks back on. (laughs) That's not either. Wonder if the drone guy got any video of RD going in the drink. That could be fun to watch. I'll check online, Jerry. Well, that's it from Jeremy. Oh, and it's still Jerry. Sure, still Jerry. Sure. Me, R.D., and the whole Crystal Sea Pond crew for today. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com, where... We're not perfect, but our boss is. Well, Jay, obviously our founder, R.D. Fierro, cannot walk on water, nor can anyone else. So, when Jesus did walk on the water in the midst of a storm, it was further confirmation of his divinity. What other lessons do you want us to learn from this miracle? You know, that's what it's most commonly known as, is the miracle of Jesus walking on the water by both scholars and laypersons alike. This is how it's known, but I'm going to J it up here for you. I call this the PB&J narrative. This is the story of Peter, a boat, and Jesus. Not necessarily in that order, but this is what we're going to highlight. That is the miracle of Peter, the boat, and Jesus. I like that. This is a story about Peter, a boat, and Jesus. PB&J. I think that helps us get a good framework to organize our thoughts. But you say that to really have a good grasp on this miracle, 
we also need to understand the background of the story. What do we need to know about the background of the miracle? Jesus had just found out that essentially his brother, John the Baptist, who was a cousin and grew up with Jesus, had just been killed. And that information was relayed to Jesus, and it broke his heart. I mean, this is someone he loved dearly that just died. And Jesus set out from Capernaum to where he was in order to just go be alone and pray and grieve. People from Capernaum saw him leaving. The Bible says they walked around to where they caught up with Jesus. And then he's in an isolated area. There's no place to get food. He has compassion on them. His heart breaks for them. And so instead of taking care of his own needs, he sees to their needs. Most of us would be concerned about taking care of me first. You know, my best friend just died. Just I've got to grieve. I, I can't be dealing with your problems. And even though he wants to pray and seek solace for himself, his heart and his love sends him out to his people. Wow, that's a really powerful observation. Jesus set aside his own grief because his great love for others was even greater than his concerns for himself. That's an amazing thought to get us started. So, that's the background of our PB&J story. Where do we go next? It's a PB&J narrative. We're going to talk about Peter and what we can learn from him. We're going to talk about the boat and what we can learn from the boat in the storm, as well as about Jesus and what we can learn about him. That's our PB&J, but not necessarily in that order. I want to focus on the boat first. The first time a storm arose and the disciples were in a boat, they didn't do so well in terms of exhibiting faith, did they? Now, we're going to move on to the second time. But you say there are some things we need to know about the boat and where it was to be able to properly understand what's going on. The boat is out there on the water on a mission for Christ. The storm comes up and the boat freaks out and they're terrified. And it seems like Jesus is not with them and doesn't even care. So when the disciples saw the storm arise and Jesus wasn't with them, they would have had some reason for concern. And that concern would have been legitimate because several of the disciples had a lot of familiarity with the Sea of Galilee. They were fishermen, and they had spent a lot of time out on this particular body of water. They knew it very well. And the Bible's account says that they were a long way from land, and they had left Jesus on land. So there's no way they could have expected to get help from Jesus, was there? So to set the stage, we're at the Sea of Galilee, which is a high mountain lake, roughly shaped kind of like a guitar pick. It's a little bit more round at the top, kind of tapers down. It's about 13 miles long by 8 miles across, average depth of about 84 feet, with the deepest point about 140, 145 feet. And so the story starts in an isolated area kind of near the mountainous shore on the eastern side of this lake. Jesus had just finished feeding 5,000 with bread and fish, and now he's wrapping up, and we pick up Matthew chapter 14, verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. After he had sent them away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. I want to talk about a problem that I had with this right off the bat in this first couple of lines. See, Matthew says that Jesus ordered his disciples to go to the other side. Mark says they ordered him to go to Bethsaida. But John says went across the sea to Capernaum. Well, when I used to read this, I used to think that these are different accounts, maybe, because why are they going to different places? They don't line up. 
until you realize Bethsaida was kind of like the region. So when Mark says Bethsaida is the area, whereas Capernaum was the town is in that region. Really, instead of contradicting each other in these accounts, which some people that don't know would say, oh, these don't match, it actually supports. One talks about a region, one talks about a town. They were sent on a mission by God that Jesus, who is God, said, hey guys, y'all need to go over there. So literally, the mission was from the boss, Jesus, to go across the lake. And so they were being obedient and going across the lake. They were going one place, and Jesus was in another. And then we pick up back in verse 24 of Matthew 14. But the boat was already far from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the sea. When the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. So remember how I said that the Sea of Galilee was eight miles by 13? Well, if you look from where they started on that eastern shore, they draw a line west where they were going, they would cross over and right at the halfway mark, this is another argument. So here it says the boat was far from land, and Mark's going to say that the boat was in the middle of the sea. John's going to say they're about three or four miles out. But all these things are the same. So they're out in the middle of the sea. The storm is raging and they're terrified. You got to put yourself where they were at. They have gone out halfway. This trip on a good day across the lake should have taken about two hours. On average day is about four to six hours across. But it says here they left just at dark and now it's like three o'clock in the morning. They've been fighting this storm for hours. In that time where it's just the darkest part of the day, the storm's raging all around them, and then they see something walking to them. Again, where they were at, most likely, if you look at the line, was over the deepest part of the lake, so probably about 140. So any idea, like RD and them were walking on the wall in the water, that ain't happening here. Jesus was doing something truly miraculous here, and they were terrified. And I will say this. John, Mark, and Matthew all admit they were terrified. That is unified across all three stories. Jesus spoke up at once, and he says, Take courage. It is I. Do not be afraid. So as we look at this here, we're looking at the boat. I would say there's a few things to talk about here. One, to me in this story, I see the boat as the church. What does this mean for the boat? What can we learn from this account? Well, first, I want to say this. Jesus sent them out. Matthew and Mark both said that Jesus made his disciples get in and go. These guys were literally on a mission from God. We think a lot of times if we're doing the mission from God, that it's going to be smooth sailing, simple, easy, two-hour trip across the lake. That's what we think it's going to be like when we follow God. But Jesus sent them out knowing full well there's going to be a storm. But he knew he was going to carry them through the storm. Because he was present in that storm. Even though it seemed like Jesus was not with them, he was in prayer in the presence of the Father high on the mountain. Just like today, it sometimes seems that Jesus isn't with us. But he saw his people struggling, fighting against this storm with all their might, trying to fight it with their strength. And they're failing, and he came to them. And that's the lesson, I think, for the boat. You know that some of those details put this story of the miracle in a whole different light. I think sometimes when we read the account, we forget that this was a situation that would have been scary for anyone. They were on a large, deep lake in the middle of the night, and a storm is raging, and they are tired, and they've been fighting this storm for hours. 
I think a lot of people can identify with the state of the disciples at this moment. There are many of us who have been fighting storms in the dark for a long time. But that's why it's so important for us to understand those details, isn't it? So we can learn lessons from the boat that we can apply to our own lives. Now for Peter, I want to read you the final account part from Matthew and what happens with Peter. Matthew chapter 14, verse 28 says, Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, command me to come to you on the water. Come, said Jesus. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the strength of the wind, he was afraid, beginning to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and took hold of Peter. You have little faith, he said. Why do you doubt? And when they had climbed back into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. See, I see Peter as the individual believer here. And here's what I learned from Peter in this moment. One, man, you can't do it on your own power. You can't. It's simply impossible. Two, the power of the storm is not greater than the power of Christ Jesus. Three, if you take your eyes and attention off Jesus, you will fail. And guess what? You're going to fail. We're all going to fall short and fail. But when you fail, call out immediately, Lord, save me, because all who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And then you get up in his power. Jesus reached down and he helped Peter to stand on that water. Note, he did not put Peter in the boat. Peter had to get back in the boat himself. Jesus saved him. Now come back. The last step is to let Jesus take care of the rest. All of that is both scary and comforting, but it's something we need to think about. If Jesus sends us out on a mission, the storm may come, but Jesus is greater than the storm. But as you said, we must always be ready to call out to Jesus in the storm. A lot of us try to do what we know Jesus wants us to do using our own strength, but our strength will fail. We can only make it through the storms when we reach out to Jesus. What lessons can we draw from the fact that when the disciples couldn't make it to Jesus, Jesus made it to them? The primary lesson that Jesus came while the storm is raging is that he loves us and he will not let us struggle when we need him. Jesus is ever present in times of trouble. God will never leave us or forsake us. There's something to be said about the image of Jesus who, as of right now, is in heaven in a mountain garden with the Lord, and we're awaiting his return, and we're here in the world struggling on the sea and the storms rising up, and it seems like he's far from us. It seems like he's not there, but he will show up in spirit, and it may be terrifying. We might not even want to take the help that God provides because we don't trust it, like Peter when he said, Lord, is this you? I think Peter getting out of the boat, what we see, one is that Peter, like a lot of us, think that, okay, we know Jesus, we can just go out and do it on our own. We have something. But then the storm rises up, we start having troubles, and we start to doubt. We go, man, is God even there for me? Maybe I'm making the wrong path. We come up with all these excuses, and our faith starts to falter, and we slip below the waves. We fail. We fall short some way. When we slip below the waves, what we must do is call out on the Lord to save us, to reach out for him to pull us up and to get up out of the water through his power. Well, Jesus reached out to Peter when Peter started going under the water, 
but as you noted, Jesus did not put Peter into the boat. What should we learn from that aspect of this miracle? He didn't put him back in the boat. And I think that that speaks to this idea to me that salvation is guaranteed. Jesus will save us every time we call. But being a good Christian, being a good member of the Christian community, you got to get in the boat. You got to finish the mission. You got to be part of the church. You got to be in the boat. That's what we're called to do. And so if you stay in the water, Jesus saves us, but you stay in the water, you're going to take your eyes off Jesus. You're going to be drowning again. Get back in the boat. There's safety there. It's that idea. Well, let's move on to the J part of the PB&J. What do we learn about Jesus from this miracle? The first surface level thing, what we learn about Jesus, is that he has amazing power. I mean, walking on the water is amazing if it was a placid lake. This is a storm. We've got waves buffeting the boat, like coming into the boat up over the edges, and Jesus just walks out there. So Jesus is divine. He has supernatural powers. But also, we see about Jesus is he will not let us struggle alone. He came to them before they called out to him. They didn't ask him to come. It seems like they didn't expect him to come because when he did come, they freaked out. But he saw his people in trouble and came to them. So we see that Jesus is a loving, selfless God, that God is doing the work to come to you already. He sees the storm. He knows, and he's there. It was Peter's lack of faith that didn't sustain him. Peter hopped out of the water. He stood. The power of Jesus was there, but he started thinking he could do it himself. Whereas we see the power of Jesus, that he supersedes nature. He is a loving, kind, caring God. And before we close for today, what are the big ideas that you want everyone to remember about Jesus walking on the water? The lessons on this are many. True, it tells us that Jesus comes to his people in times of storm. And that's a great lesson. It shows us that Jesus has power over nature. He's walking on water. He's doing these amazing things. But the most important is that Jesus will never fail you, no matter what it looks like. No matter if it seems like he's not there, he's with the Father interceding for you. And that is a beautiful thing. You're going to fail. Peter failed. I mean, he knew Jesus in a way that we can't just yet. And he failed. But when he did, he called on the name of the Lord. He was saved, got back in that boat, and continued mission. And so that is what Matthew 14 and the story of Peter, the boat, and Jesus is all about. Perhaps one more thing we should note before we close for today. We are all going to fail from time to time, but Jesus does not abandon us when we fail. He just asks us to reach out to him and let him help us get back into the boat. This miracle is another illustration of why we all need to stay connected with our faith through daily prayer and Bible study. We'd really like to thank Jay Ammerman for being our guest on Anchored by Truth today. As we've said before, Jay's life after his conversion is a great illustration of how Jesus continues to redeem destinies in our day and time. The Bible has been instrumental in changing Jay's destiny, and it can be instrumental in changing your destiny and the destinies of your friends. Today, for our closing prayer, let's listen to a prayer of corporate confession. Prayer of Corporate Confession Father, perfect in justice, holy in all ways, we stand before you to declare that we know you are a great, powerful, and just God. Before time began marking the rise, decline, and coming renewal of creation, you established the laws to govern all seasons and creatures. Your laws are perfect 
because you are perfect. Lord, we acknowledge today that we have sinned and fallen short of your expectations. We know that we have done this of our own volition, that our transgressions are not caused by anything that you have done or failed to do. As you forgive us, help us to freely forgive those who offend us when they ask for pardon. Let us embrace our brothers and sisters with repentant hearts as readily as you embrace us. We can only do so by knowing the gracious love that you brought to us when Christ came and died for us. He tore apart the veil between your people and you, sent the Spirit to refresh our souls, and so it is in his precious name that we ask for mercy, pardon, and a readiness to serve you. Amen. Is the Bible important in your life? Supporting Anchored by Truth with a contribution is an easy way to put your faith into action. The opportunity to help is available at crystalseabooks.com. How wonderful would it be for Jesus to commend us because we made His Word a priority in our lives and giving. We are grateful for your support and partnership. We hope you'll be with us next time, and we hope you'll take some time to encourage friends to tune in also or to listen to the podcast version of this show. If you'd like to hear more, try out crystalseabooks.com where We're not perfect, but our boss is. And for those of you who need that website one more time, that's crystalseabooks.com. Crystal, C-R-Y-S-T-A-L-C-S-E-A, and books, B-O-O-K-S, Thank you for your support.